Welcome, kings and queens, to another episode of Unapologetic, your number one podcast. This is the show where kings and queens tell their legacies and on. So get ready for the gems to drop and pull up to the table because we're ready. Welcome, everybody. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Millie Mel is in the building. We're right here on Unapologetic, your number one podcast. And of course, this is Saturday, too. We working hard. I like that. I like that. But today, man, I, whew, it's been, what, a year? We just got to talking about it, too. A year and a few months. Yep. And I finally have her on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It was worth the wait, though. I can't wait to see how she's going to give us these gems. Please welcome Miss Sierra Atkins right here on your number one podcast. How you doing, baby? (laughs) I am good. Thank you. I am so good. We've been working so hard to actually have this conversation, man, because she has so many great things that she's doing in her community. Can y'all please welcome Miss Sierra Atkins right here on Unapologetic. The founder of Acumi Foundation. Is Acumi? Acme Foundation. Acme. I, I keep saying Acumi. I feel like that's a you more like unique name or something like that. It I'll is. And we'll talk about that. We yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for for actually taking the time out on this beautiful Saturday. Hopefully it'll be beautiful today. I, I think it's supposed to rain. But we're going to enjoy it all of the same uh, on this Saturday. I understand your busy schedule and uh, it makes me feel so special that people like yourself come on to the show and join us uh, on our journey of becoming better, bigger and better than we were before. So I appreciate that. 100%. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing what you're doing. You know, as soon as we met, you know, over a year ago, I was like, okay, I got to be a part of this. I have to support what he's doing. (laughs) We're all about elevating these voices. That's what, thank you. Thank you. But more, more so you've been elevating, not just your voice, but others as well. You know, uh, your work speaks for itself. It's amazing of what you you took from inside your, your passion and then made it, made a reality. Like I always, like, that's a real, real thing with me when I have, you know, a, a good conversation like with the person like yourself always try to see what has what what pushes you you know what gets you up in every day in the morning and do this so well and so when I did my my research you know on you girl <laughs> you you got some education you got a <laughs> lot of education but before we before I get into your profession what was was that always the goal when you was like in school, like I for to just be dominant in the books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I am a natural born nerd. I am. I, I, so it, my mom tells this story because one day she didn't take me to school, right? So apparently I was knocking on her door and I was like, "Mama, you gotta take me to school. I got a reputation to uphold." Because I was trying to get. Wait that. a minute! You said that at what age? <laughs> I was six years old. <laughs> And, you know, education was really important to me. And they gave uh, awards okay. to the students who never missed a day of class. I wanted to be that student who got me. 
perfect attendance award. <laughs> I was the I'm the student who sit in the front row of the class. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I know who you, you know, are in class. I, I right. am that weird, like <laughs> yeah. But you know what's crazy is that it, regardless, uh, if you are that type of student, you can see the the benefits of that hard work that's mm -hmm. that's sitting in front of you know the teacher that always asking that first question, not afraid to be wrong, you know, because you know most people raise their hand in class like, man, I don't want to sound stupid. You don't care. I need to know. <laughs> like, that's, that, that, that's me all day. I I will ask the minute questions. <laughs> I'm not big on tangents, but I definitely want to understand, you know, the history right. of why. So okay, okay. So it, so you took that type, that same being of yourself, and transitioning into, you know, higher learning, higher education, because you are a lawyer, right? Yes, sir. How do you, God, like I, I, I have a friend that's a lawyer as well. I have, I've seen one of her books. No, that book thicker, <laughs> man. I said you can put wheels on this and use this as a car. This is a big book. How do you guys do it? Like, what drives uh, you to constantly strive for that? For me, well, again, I'll tell a story from my parents. Apparently, I told them I wanted to be a lawyer before I was even old enough to know what a lawyer was. So hmm. I. Somehow I innately knew that this was my path before I even right. really understood the vocabulary. And they tell that story so often that I'm like, wow, how how did I know? Because so many of us are right. still That's still exactly about about that. at our age, right? Yeah. You know? At our big age, we're still trying to figure out who we are and what we want to do. So the fact that I knew law so young, I think it was just divine, right? I felt like it was something that was placed in my old soul as a young child. But to your question, like, how did I get through and push through? I think that it comes from experiencing so much adversity and diversity being born and raised until I was 14 in Detroit. We're talking inner city Detroit proper in the 90s, having a brother with a disability. Uh, so ADA accommodations in the 90s, we're losing libraries, we're losing parks, public facilities, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's just how our people over there are making it, You it, it, it boggles the mind, right? Right, it does. So, so growing up and seeing that, and then as I got older, understanding that there is not one facet of our life what we're allowed to do or what we're prohibited from doing that is not rooted in some type of law, be it mm. you know, city, state, federal, international. We are we are guided by a set of rules and books that our people don't even touch or seem to understand, right? And I started to really get on my equity journey as I got older. And I said, I can't make any changes unless I know how to speak the language, how to get into the rooms with the right people. And for me, that felt like becoming a lawyer, learning how to do the research and ask the right questions. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I, that, I didn't expect that answer. That was a good one. That was <laughs> okay. a good one. God. Right. That, keep going. No, don't stop. I'm going to go to the next level. <laughs> that was, uh, but all right. I, I have a, I have a counter quest to that. Right. Most people would say that well, how can you fix a system that was already broken to begin with you know that is a that's a good question but i feel like that is the how to say it 
I feel like that's the question of someone who's not ready to make the right changes because it, it doesn't matter how it started. It matters how you end. And yes, the foundation of our country's laws are rooted in racism and colonialism and all of this right. kind of stuff, right? So from the very, very beginning of our history, it's all wrong. Um, most of the laws were made with, with all of that in mind, right? It's embedded in the DNA, all of these isms that we have to face against. So if I start my question with how do I fix what's already broken, I'm already saying it can't be done. So mm. me, I'm looking at it as, you know what? I probably can't touch every single facet of everything, but what is my lane and what systemic transformative historic thing can I do to make things better for my people? And that's where I go. And that's where I fell into the equity, the law, the philanthropy, like the, the economic and racial justice. You know, I felt like those were my lanes where I was destined to make a change. <laughs> You gonna be in the history books. <laughs> I can Hopefully see it now. I can Hopefully see it now because we have to change our mindset. We, yeah, we have to change that, our that, exactly that. That's you. I, I like how you are. You a lawyer, but you still are yourself at the same time. You're able mm -hmm. to break down references that you're right for most people, in my opinion, can't you know can't fathom because. Yeah, law is contradicting as well so you got to be able to uh i guess to know when to walk the, the that straight line into which way to turn left or right i know it's mm -hmm. like a three-way street somewhere but oh yeah 100 it's like a part of it though so it, i get that now that you break it down like that thank you for that because i was yeah. also wondering i'm like man how how are you able to win a case because when you sit and watch court cases well when i do i always try to follow the story that's mm -hmm. where pretty much where you're trying to you know you're trying to tell a, a convincing story to an audience and but the main audience is the judge correct so it's the judge or, is very, you didn't know where you at yeah right yeah so it, you gotta you gotta appease to the group or the individual who has the most power at that time so it's like okay is this really justice is this a is this you know then because you start really breaking it down and thinking like is this just am i if i'm doing a justified thing in this moment because am i appeasing to each person or am i telling the truth this is true. And, you know, sometimes we, we're up against unjust laws all the time, or we're up against laws that don't feel good morally all the time. And mm. you have to work within a system and understand it before you can start to change it, right? Law is just built on precedent, the back and forth of the times, essentially, and the best orator, as you just described it, uh, who was in the courtroom, <laughs> who made the best case. And, and I know it's super simple, but, you know, we want to break it down to it. Essentially, that's how it goes. But when we think about justice, I think that you have to have, you, you have to have your own personal foundation so that you don't waver. So for me, I had to define what does justice feel like for me? And for me, that's racial justice, that's economic equity for my people and my community. And it also means extending beyond the Black community to the totality of the BIPOC community because I don't do the silos and the, you know, crossing okay. the and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> 
we always lead with the black experience, but we understand that our brothers and sisters have been dealing with a lot of the same things just in different times. So I think understanding what your foundation of justice looks like for you, and then how can you influence the system that you're operating in? For me in law, justice looks like access to my people. So I did not become a prosecuting attorney intentionally. I did not become a defense attorney intentionally. I did not do family law or any of those uh, areas of law where they try and silo Black attorneys. Like, you guys need right. criminal representation. You guys have broken families and all this type of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's like, don't. Don't 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 try and just uh, put me into that space. So I'm a property attorney. I'm a business attorney. So I'm teaching my people in a space where we had no resources growing up. And for me, that's justice for you know having legal access. So 25% of my legal practice, free services to low-income communities. Period. Off the bat, we dedicate those hours every year, and. We had so many instances growing up where I live by the mantra, you get the justice that you can afford in this country. Mm. And it's very sad to see. I think it still holds true to this day. So for me, when I think about what does justice look like, I'm given access for the next person to not have the same experience that I had. Uh, helping our businesses. We know you need entrepreneurship is such a big pathway. Uh, small businesses are the backbone of this country, despite you know what NASDAQ and everything says. Wow, so, she yeah. said it. Oh my God, <laughs> I did not expect that one. Uh, so we, we have to support those, <laughs> That's right? That's true. And, that is so true. <laughs> and the barriers are real. When you need legal advice so that you can yeah. get your to the next stage or just want to make a sound HR decision or not open yourself up to unnecessary liability, you can't expect a $5,000 legal bill, right? We have to make it more accessible for our smaller entrepreneurs. So that's a big focus for me, trademark protections, copyrights, all of that IP, helping people figure out licensing and franchising, uh, the business, the contracts, learning how to really partner well with people, internal operations and HR and stuff. For me, like my personal view is that's teaching our people. When we position them to really be able to compete against our counterparts, then that's that's that level playing field. That's where I'm starting to see that justice piece. Woo! Girl, my glass is fogging up. How much? <laughs>